Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Alrighty, how's it going, Mets and overall baseball fans? Thank you guys all so much for chiming in for the latest episode of Believe in Queens here on the Wordy NYM YouTube channel or, of course, wherever you get your audio podcasts. This is episode 50 now. Can't believe we've already done 50 of these things. My goodness, it's it's fast it really is happening a snap of a finger it feels like but myself what you guys know that is anthony record that you guys know that is joe sorala that i hope you guys know and we're going to be going over all the latest for the mets this spring training including the game that's unraveling as we speak even though there's not really much to talk about you know the mets are getting no hit in the bottom of six against team nicaragua and a exhibition game that isn't televised that there's no radio broadcast so that's going on aside from that however we're going to be going over again who stood out thus far in the first week and a half or two weeks here of spring jose quintana's injury what does it mean for the mets rotation kodai singa making his official debut here in spring how did he look and overall world baseball classic preview and predictions as the mets all players that are going to be in the WBC are already starting to play for their respective teams. So a lot again to excite as always. But before I do, I of course have to let you all know that today's show is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online is your number one source for all your sports betting needs. So make sure you head over to betonline.ag using promo code Believe at B L E A V. That we get yourself a fifty percent off all commodities. Bet Online, it's where the games begin, gentlemen. Let's officially let the show begin. How are we this evening? Sure. Doing great, man. Just uh, trying to see if you know any Mets who wore the number fifty, Wardy. I do. Um, it's funny because he's technically like, I don't know if he counts, but I'm just going to go with the recency bias and say Francisco Alvarez. There you go. Yeah. There you go. I, I mean, definitely most notable has got to be Sid Fernandez. Yes. In the 80s. Yeah. Um, I, I'd, I'd imagine. This list, Donner Sanchez, man. I, I mean, that's before your time, Wardy. Rec, I don't, I don't know how much of Donner Sanchez you watched, but he was back in 06 when the Mets were a World Series favorite. I mean, he was like one of the best relievers in baseball. No idea um, who that is. Never heard. Really? <laughs> really? All right. Well, I know Mets fans in the comments. Will I was, them. I was like, I was in the. Where were you in 06? What, what league was I in? I was in the Midwest League, like hustling a Kane County, trying to get myself up to the big leagues. I didn't give anything as to who was in the big leagues outside of in Oakland, because that's where I thought I was going right. to be. So Right. Well, Sanchez was one of the best relievers in baseball in 06. Got into a taxi cab accident in like. I want to say August or September. Uh, missed the whole postseason, and the bullpen kind of fell apart in the postseason. But uh, he was number 50. Who did you catch that wore number 50? Did you catch Scott Atchison? Yes. What was his fastball, like 87, 88? Uh, he, could, he could pump in like a 93, 94 every once in a while. Could he? I feel like he'd be slow. Oh. He was like thick, right, with a couple seasons? Uh, ooh. I mean, he had... Like he had like that weird like skinny leg, skinny arm, like belly body. Like right. I don't know what that's called. It's like a weird. <laughs> I don't know. But he could he could throw man. Like I I love catching him. Little cut little cut piece. Get it on lefties. Um, little breaking ball. No, yeah, he's all right. And then Rafi Montero, the other uh, the other number fifty that you caught. Rafael Montero, the Montero the caught one his that got away. Oh, you started that Subway Series debut, huh? Well, it was a doubleheader. And I believe I caught wasn't it a doubleheader, I think. I thought it was or a no, week no, night it was a doubleheader. Tanaka, it was right? it was Jake Jake through the night before. Mm-hmm. Centeno caught him and then I caught Montero. And I was at that game. I was at Montero's debut against Tanaka. That's how I recalled yep. so vividly it was like a Wednesday night or something. 
That was when I that was the game against Tanaka where um I struck out, I think, my first two at bats, and I mm-hmm. went up my third bat, third at bat, and I told Hudgens, Dave Hudgens, our hitting coach, I said, Hey, Dave, I'm just not gonna swing because this guy's gonna walk me. Like he doesn't throw any strike. Like he, that split he's nasty. Like if he gets me, he's just gonna keep throwing that. He doesn't throw anything in the zone. I was chasing my first two at bats. I'm just gonna not I'm I'm not swinging. Not gonna swing. I went up there, first pitch, fastball, kind of middle away, elevated. Last second, I went swing, ground ball to the second base or something. <laughs> Got in the dugout. Hudge is just looking at me like, <laughs> how'd that work out for you, bud? I was like, I don't know, man. I panicked. I panicked. <laughs> I saw a pitch that I could hit, and I I panicked last second. Was that, that the game that problem. ended? Um, with the three straight doubles and they walked off Mariano, his last game at City Field. Was that the game? Oh man. I'm trying to think. I think it was the I think we lost that game. I think it was the next night. I could be wrong. Okay. Or maybe it was a different year altogether. I was at a game, it was like Murphy, David Wright, Duda all went like back to back to back. No, no, no. I remember that. That might have been no, that was a year earlier. That might have been thirteen. I think that was thirteen. It was because it was when the all star game was at City Field. Yep. Yep. Okay. I hated that yeah, when it used to be week nine games. That was that was the crazy. only that was the only jersey I ever got in my career. I, I asked for a Mariano Rivera signed jersey. Really? As yeah. I mean, you can like as a player, like you could just send over like a request to the other side. It's not a big deal. Um, I literally never did it. And Andrew Brown was like, "Oh, hey, I'm sending over a, a you know, I'm trying to get Mariano's jersey signed." And I never did. Like I literally never did it. And I was like, "He's like, you want to get one?" I was like, "With me?" I was like sure like i don't why not like it's just not my thing like i'm not like a memorabilia guy and sure enough get back in the you know in the clubhouse after the game and there's a signed mariano rivera jersey in my in my locker and i have it upstairs that's pretty pretty wild andrew brown that's a blast from the past he had pop he had some pop he had some pop i honestly i thought he could hit he just never really got a shot wordy do you remember andrew brown no no clue not a damn clue if I'm being honest with you. Le- left field first base type guy? Basically, yeah. 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 Okay. That's so, first base. Speaking of memorabilia. Or he's like, so Team Nicaragua. No, 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 no. Uh, speaking of memorabilia, Rec, I got to get a signed jersey of you to put on the wall behind me. I mean, that needs to happen. So that I, I have a signed jersey um, that's out of the frame right now. Um, it's uh, dual signed by both Mookie Wilson and um, Buckner. Um, that's so like why do you want my jersey? What's that? You got Piazza behind you. You got Mookie Wilson and Buckner. Like, what do you what do you want my? I jersey? have to have you on the greats because you are one, right? Come on, let's be serious here for a second. <laughs> All, right. All right, let's get in this conversation. <laughs> Whoa! Whoa. Whoa. Hey, hey, hey. Let's keep this rated. A little though. bit of that going on, you know. Just a little bit. It took you so long. We're a little bit of that going on. This is my other. This is my other piece of memorabilia that I enjoy. What is that? What's that design? So, every game. Oops. Oh, oh no! <laughs> <laughs> For the pass ball in the book. Right, is that another pass ball? Trying to show a specific baseball, yeah. but he just dropped it. So there's that. I just dropped it. Dropped the ball. <laughs> um, <laughs> so every game that Bartolo Colon won, he would sit in his locker with the game ball, and he would design make like a little like out of it 
Okay. We won like nine in a row together or something stupid in 15. Um, and I noticed like he'd been doing this and I'm like, Barty, what are you doing, man? He's like, oh, my wins. Like I, you know, make a ball. Like, That's sick. What about for your catcher? Can you catch or get one? So he made me a ball. May 25, 2015, six to three, Mets over the Phillies. Did he like color code that entire thing? Everything? This is over the Philly. It's he beat the Phillies, so it's red, blue. There's a little bit of silver in there too, because I think we were on the road. Gray. That's cool. That's like it, it's it's this he did this every win. Wow. He probably has 200 and how many wins did he have? 211, 240. I don't remember. He probably has 200 and some of these in his house somewhere. Like, wow. yeah, yeah. That's pretty wild. It's it's crazy. Like this is this is probably like the one thing that that's, I. But that's cool, and that's not like you know like. You could go buy nobody a else has one of these. Like, nobody sick. else has one of these. Yeah, that's pretty nobody. That, that is really cool. It's coming from Big Sexy himself, too. I mean, enjoy that. Or do you, you, you had a comment up there, didn't you? Yeah, I did have a comment. Shock in the live stream. Um, I hear the Mets are going to retire records number. Whew. Liar. <laughs> oh, man. I, I like S Man's comment, E2, when Rex dropped the ball. Yeah, that was funny. That's funny shit. <laughs> All so, right. Rick, just because you brought up Bartolo, man, I, I mean, mm-hmm. he was like, he, he was a, a sick, rare beast because this is a guy who obviously when he was with the Angels, when in Cy Young's like 2005, he was pumping the gun like 98. Later in his career, totally changed his game, was throwing 86, 87, I remember, but just could make that ball dance and move. How much break and, and how many different variations of a fastball did he have? Because it seemed like he could make it cut, dive, tail, like at will. Well, what's crazy is there were some days and and it probably, you know, it was never publicized or like never talked about. There were days where he felt good at the end of his career, like when, you know, 15 with the Mets. And, and you know, I don't know about after that. I, I know 16, I was with him in it or 17, 17. I was with him in Atlanta um, where like he felt good. And suddenly he just pumped like a couple 93s and 94s in there. And you're like, whoa like where did this come from right but uh back to your back to your question um the fastball what was really fun for me and the reason he loved throwing to me was i never cared what he threw like which fastball he threw i would just put down a one and let him do whatever he wanted so it was i'd i'd go in or out and he could throw a two seam and that thing had some movement on it um, he could throw a four seam. I mean, I typically kind of knew, you know, what he was going for. Um, or you throw a cutter sometimes. And I just, I would give him full reign, like whatever. I don't even care. Like just throw whatever. And, uh, it was fun. I mean, there were days I can remember, especially at city field, uh, early in the year, late in the year when it's windy, wind. yeah. the wind blows out to the pitcher, but in from the outfield, it's weird. But blowing out to the pitcher, it it makes the ball move even more. And I can remember there was a day against the Cardinals. I, I want to say it was 14. Um, and he was throwing, I mean, he was throwing sinkers into lefties. Dudes were bailing out of the way. And these things were coming back middle to middle away. I mean, it was, it was, it was insane. That's how much movement he would get on that sinker. And then like throw some, he'd throw that four seam up and in on him, little cut piece on him. Um, it was fun, man. It was, it, it was, you know, it's literally three different pitches 
all with just this. Like that's right. all I put down, you know, and he would, he would decide wherever he wanted to go with it or however he wanted to throw it. What the yeah, heck? I mean, he didn't really have like much. I, I think he had a little slider. Correct me if I'm wrong. It's been, I mean, eight slider years. and a change up. Didn't throw it right. that often. No um, and yeah, didn't use that stuff. That it was just I typically had to call those. Like I had to kind of make them throw them sometimes. Right. Um, which was good. Like, like I got a guy like Freddie Freeman and I would go change up first pitch every time. Cause oh. Freddie, knew this guy throws freddie's very very intelligent hitter one of the you know most intelligent in the game one of the best hitters in the game obviously yeah he knows the dude throws 90 percent fastballs so he sees that rotation out of the hand he doesn't even think change up and i could get him to roll over a lot of the time like first pitch or at least give me like a quick foul ball or something um that was that was always fun with bartolo like messing with guys who who knew that Barty was throwing fastballs, but just throw something else in there. Like you could throw his his slider was awful. Like it was <laughs> it was a cement mixer. It just <laughs> but like when you're just sitting fastball, sitting fastball, sitting fastball, and then all of a sudden this terrible slider comes in. Guys would kind of balk at it. Like yeah, I don't even know if they like. I don't know how many times people swung at his slider. I would I would imagine it wasn't very often. Um, but Barty didn't like to throw much- it. When you have that much movement, though, I mean, it really comes down to can you change speeds? Can you change eye levels? And which then you get did. away with a bad slider. Which he did. He I was mean, awesome. He was so much fun to catch. It made me it made me worse as a catcher because I'd forget how to call a game for, like, the other guys. <laughs> right. It was literally just, like, I didn't have to think back there. No thought process at all. Yeah. Just one. But then the next day one, you got John Neese yelling one. at you on the mound. I wanted this fucking thing wreck, right? If Neese ever yelled at me, I'd have slapped him. <laughs> No, you know, I don't know about you guys, but aside from um, Bartolo's iconic home run against Shields in San Diego, my favorite moment of him was the no look backflip he did at first. You know, um, in Miami, <laughs> that that one like just I remember like that was, it was, that was awesome. It was that was one of the okay. sickest plays I've ever seen. Yeah, yeah. and like, just so nonchalant too. That was. But the he did that every day. He did that stuff every day at practice, like or like you know messing around like spring training, or if we were taking PFPs throughout the year, like he did that stuff all the time. So when he did it, it wasn't the first time we saw him do that. It was like, oh my god, he just did it in a game. Yeah, like, <laughs> we know Bar- Barty was like a was it super sneaky that athlete. out there too. What's up? Was it um Justin Bohr, the one that grounded out there? I that makes to... sense. It makes sense. It wouldn't have been been, I don't know. I don't remember. It definitely wasn't. It was in Miami. Gordon. We, yeah. Bart gave up the um, homer to D Gordon, right? Right after correct. Jose Fernandez. Yes. Yep. Who did Barty? Yep. You weren't on that team, right, Rick? That was 2016. No, I was. I was with the Braves. I was in town when Fernandez. Yeah, that was D Gordon. Off we of uh, we played the night before, and then we were supposed to have a uh, day game. Um in Miami. And that's when we, I found out that morning. Right. Right. Cause I, I was going to ask you the question. I feel like everyone kind of has wondered, but you weren't on the team. So I don't know if you would know this, but do you think that was grooved to Gordon given, given the moment and everything? I, I have no idea. I, I have no idea. Just um, seems like no I'm, I'm going to say, I'm going to say no, but even if it was like, Oh, how many, right. how many homers, how many homers do you got in his career? Like, how how easy is it to hit a homer even if they tell you it's coming? Like that's true. I mean he's got like pretty cool man in his career. I don't know. Probably. It's pretty cool though. Like that was that was one of the coolest moments I, I remember seeing on a on a baseball field. 
Um, yeah. I don't know. That was, I, I just want to go into like that moment now when, you know, just finding out that was nuts. That was, that was the worst like feeling in the world. Yeah. I mean, just anyway. from a fan perspective, it, it, it was gut wrenching. Cause I, I watched Fernandez again. This was really the start of my like day to day diehard Mets fandom, you know, around that time. And I was looking at him battling with Syndergaard. I'm like, Oh my God, this is going to be what it's like for the next decade in this division like it's it's thrilling like i love matchups like that even even if it's against a rival yes it sucks but like you have respect for the player that's exactly how i felt for him so yeah the entire thing is obviously it was going to be tragic kind of like what could have been when looking at that marlins team especially because they were dismantled right after unfortunately but um i did want to make a note to you guys you know speaking of that no hitter to start the game uh that as we're recording it was broken up by no, none other than, yes, Ronnie Mauricio, who's now 7 for 16 this spring. Definitely been a show out. I know that you guys really viewing highly of him, as am I. I obviously have a favoritism towards Beatty if we had a pick between the two. Like, it, God forbid if someone needs to get traded or something. But no less, loving what Mauricio is doing. So that's at least they broke up the no-hitter. I mean, against Team Nicaragua, you have to at some point. But I did want to talk with you guys, though, about spring, what's been going on, because there has been a hit to this Mets rotation. We don't know exactly for how long, but Jose Quintana uh, exited game a couple days ago after pitching a scoreless inning. Um, one one inning pitch, a strikeout, not a prom, has himself a stress fracture in his uh, right rib on his left side. Uh, so now he's getting further imaging done. We haven't heard the results of that yet, but it, just a quick Google search will tell you that this could have the guy out easily a couple months at minimum. So, uh, Rex, starting with you, what is your reaction to Quintana's injury here? And should it be that timeline of at least a couple months here? How are you looking at the rotation? Do you have a favoritism between Peterson McGill? Do you think they should just strictly battle it out? Is Peterson the favorite? Like, let me know what your thoughts are. I haven't are even heard that. the latest on Peterson's foot. What's the latest on his foot? He is, he is day-to-day. So no Mets fan should be worried. Nothing broken, okay. thankfully, uh, from the comebacker he dealt with a couple days ago when he was pitching. Um, look, you go into a, a spring training knowing – you're not going to leave with the starting five that you came in with. That's almost, it's almost a given. Like that's why the Mets came in with seven this year, right? Like, yeah. Oh, Peterson McGill, they're, they're, they're going to triple a. No, they're not like one of them's going to the big leagues because someone's going to get hurt. It's just the way this stuff works. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know if those couple of months is true for Quintana or not. We'll find out. But realistically, I think, I really like the fact that, you know, Peterson built off of his 21 with last year Um, to say that his ceiling is higher than McGill's would be a lie in my, in my mind. Um, But that said, the dude's been more available, which makes him, I think more um, plausible to, to throw in to start the season. Um, You know, I, I would love to see, McGill have the opportunity to go to triple a and make some starts and really just get back into the groove and feel more comfortable. Um, because obviously he came back at the end of the year last year, but that was in a, a relief role and it was just kind of different. Um, almost felt like he was rushed back. So would love to see him just continue to kind of work on his stuff, go to triple a and then join the team. That said, look, there's every, opportunity and possibility that somebody else gets hurt before the season starts. And that's what's scary. Like that's why you have to have this many guys. That's why you can't just up and trade some. I remember I think it was 2014 
we were going into the regular season uh, during where we were in spring training. And I remember there were just rumors swirling like, oh, the Mets have six starters. Who are they going to trade? Who are they going to trade? Why? Why are we trading a starter? Like you, someone's getting hurt. What are we even talking about here? Yeah. Um, I think it was it was either G or Nice at the time. It was like, which one's getting traded? For what? Like, I, I was I was dumbfounded. Um, nice always yeah, had Nice, yeah, hundred percent. I mean, he signed that what five year deal early, and then it was like this guy's cost control five years twenty five million. Like, he's expendable essentially. Um, but he ended up being kind of an innings eater and, you know, had a nice career for the Mets. Yeah. But yeah, it's just, it, it's one of those things that I, I never understand, you know, why people get so worked up about trying to find and, and fit spots and, you know, early in spring training, because this stuff works itself out and it already is. I mean, that's, that's the way, it, that's the way things happen. I mean, that's why you can't go trading Cookie Carrasco in, in the offseason and, and saying, oh, yeah, like, let's trade him. We got a surplus of starters. No, you don't, because who do you got after McGill? Eliza yeah, Hernandez. <laughs> that's, that's, that's Hernandez. Our, boy, our boy Dom ain't, ain't ready yet. I mean, you know, he's no, speaking Puerto of Rico Dom, right shout out to him as well. We're going to get into that discussion soon, but he was pitching against Boston today, their exhibition game for Team Puerto Rico. So Dom, I didn't know he pitched today. I knew he was pitching for Puerto Rico. Yeah, but yeah. I, I don't mean, know exactly how his, how his outing went, but I did see him on the bump and Lindor giving him the pep talk that Lindor usually does with every pitcher that he interacts with. Let's so, find out. Yeah, so like Dom, Dom will be here, but he's not going to be here anytime soon. Matt right. Allen is this is shaping up to potentially be kind of a sad story. You're seeing setback after setback with uh, Matt Allen. Is he started. out for the whole season again? Um, Amel went the, one inning, one hit, one run, one walk, one K. That's all right, a little tune up. I think he's their number three or number four starter. He's going to be starting um, the day before I'm seeing Team Venezuela versus Puerto Rico. It's Saturday night in Miami. Oh, is Eddie on Venezuela? Um, oh, Sunday night. I'm sorry. Um, is Eddie available? No, is he on Venezuela? Eddie yeah, Escobar? yeah. So I'm hoping he starts so that way I can. If Him, I Lenore, doubt Narvaez is going to start that game, but if Narvaez starts over um, Salvi too, that'd be cool. Just see like all the Mets incorporated in that game. Oh, I forgot Narvaez too. So we have two guys on Venezuela and then Lindor Diaz and Dom on Puerto Rico. Yes. Yeah. And again, I, and a former Met watch, Javi Baez. Javi. Dude, Almago was electric when he was a Met. I don't care what anyone two says. Months. He was oh the best two months of his career. <laughs> I mean, statistically, he statistically was actually pretty good. Dude, he, he was the north of four hundred OBP. The guy, like, just yes, he had the thumbs. That didn't down. make any sense no that sense. year though, because that team wasn't good. No, no, it was it, obvious. The, the move didn't make any sense. It was a desperate move. And now Pete Armstrong is just balling for the Cubs right now. We, I mean, and we have no outfield game. depth. Outside of Alex Ramirez, who looks sure. amazing, but is like two years away at least. And isn't yeah. was didn't he come? Didn't he, wasn't he technically a shortstop anyway? Like Ramirez? I don't. Yeah, that I thought I he was a shortstop early on. Maybe early. Oh, on. I, yeah, that I'm not aware of. I know. I mean, I know he's a center fielder now. Was last year. I, yeah. I don't know what he was. Makes the Mets always have like Apologies. eight trillion I th- I shortstops. Thought he, I thought he was originally a shortstop. Huh. Uh, no, um, that that I don't know. I'd have to look up. But it, it would make sense. We always have too many shortstops and not enough anything else. So. 
before we get into the whole WBC talk, because I really just want to have like us break down entirely what we think in predictions, I did want to mention two other pitchers, okay? Uh, one starts with Max Scherzer. He had three innings today, two earned runs, nine strikeouts, which was nice, but that's not why I'm bringing him up. Last time he started last week, um, there were a lot of eyes on him because he's, of course, gained acclimated with the pitch clock. And he did something really interesting. He had two pitch, uh, pitch clock violations in the same inning, which led to eight unearned runs because Luis Gorme somehow, someway had two errors in the same inning, something you'll never see aside from spring training. But his first pitch clock violation was by quick pitching. And this is where after the game, you know, he was kind of bothered by it, still didn't understand it. And then MLB actually came out with a statement for every team going forward that this will be the case. So he's really just stress, uh, stretching the limits here. He held his stance. The entire time as the batter asked for time. So the batter got himself time. And then right before the batter locked eyes with Scherzer again, Max was in the lineup for his pitch. And then he was called for a quick pitch. Um, so yeah. there's been some confusion a little bit on that front with how much, you know, time is there. Cause he was emphasizing uh, post game that, you know, once it hits zero, zero, am I going to have that kind of extra second that you see sometimes in basketball or not? That's something that need to be cleared up. But I really like the fact that Max is again, experimenting here because now is the time to do it versus the regular season. And everyone expects him especially to thrive with the pitch clock. So Joe, starting with you, what's your takeaway from Max and kind of, you know, again, making the most of the new role right away, seeing what's going to work and what's not going to work for the season. But more than anything, just the fact that Max is basically one of the better pitchers out there to be utilizing this type of thing. It's definitely in his favor far more than it is like a Chris Bassett, if you will. Right, right. It's 100% in Max's favor. And I like the fact that, you know, I don't care about the box. It's spring training. You know, I've said this probably too many times. Rex said, like, who cares? It's spring training. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, Max is not fighting for a roster spot. So I like that he's testing the boundaries. And, and I don't care if he's getting called for three box in a game because test those boundaries this way when April rolls around, you know what you can and you can't get away with. I think that the rules are really unclear, um, you know, surrounding what was going on with the quick pitch rule. And it's like, well, if the guy, if the batter has to be ready at what is it, twelve seconds or eight seconds, depending on runners on or not, like why can't I throw the pitch at that point? Right? There's just a lot of a lot of vagueness uh, that needs to be clarified. But for now, this is the time to test those rules. We talked about it, I think, last show. How you know, spring training, the guys who have solidified roster spots, specifically pitchers, this is when they kind of mess around a little bit and work on stuff, especially the first half of spring training. So work on it, test the boundaries. And uh, this way in April, you know what you can and can't get away with. Because Max is, he's going to use this to his advantage. Anything, the slightest thing he can get away with, he's going to. Um, so, yeah, I, I think he'll figure it out. And then uh, as far as today's concerned, nine strikeouts, three innings, just more of the same with Max Scherzer. Uh, Rec, before I get to you, just want to give a quick shout out to everyone in the live stream right now. Continue smash that like and subscribe on means a lot, but also shout out because I do believe that is the Joe that I know Joe DeMeo in the chat right now. Shout out him for us. And why says Ramirez was always a center fielder. So there's your answer. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Also shout out you, Joe. We'll have to do a collab pod with the Mets pod at some point. Him and Connor do a great job. So that would, uh, that would be awesome. Hopefully we get that done at some point. But uh, now, Rec, uh, any further thoughts here on Scherzer and the pitch clock? Yeah, look, the batter had always had to address the pitcher before the pitcher could throw a pitch for safety reasons. That's always been a rule. That's not something that's new. That's not something that's pitch clock related. That's always been part of the rule set. Um, you know, obviously Scherzer tried to push it because of the pitch clock, but realistically, that's nothing new. Um, 
you can't throw a pitch without the batter looking for obvious reasons. Like something gets out of your hand, batter's not looking, and it smokes him in the face. We saw that happen to Turner the other day. Um, Thankfully, he's okay. Cool. No, no broken bones there, apparently, which is awesome. Correct. Sixteen. Justin bitches, Turner right? is going to be okay. Yep. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no. So to me, this is just you know trying to push the limits, seeing what the rules are, pointing out any flaws, whatever. Like. Just max have, max being max, kind of. And um, I, I'll tell you what. I think the pitch clock, it's already, like, some of the stink about it is already starting to die down. Um, I do feel like there are some things that are going to come up throughout the course of the season that already are bothering me. Um, Andrew McCutcheon got, like, a big standing ovation and got a strike called on him because he didn't get in the box in time. Yeah, it's stuff like like that that needs to get Can you imagine when Miguel Cabrera takes his last at-bat this year? It's going to start off going to. Detroit fans are standing clapping for him because he's been and done so much for that organization over the years. And they call a strike on him. Like, there's not supposed to be any exception to the rule. Um, Obviously, I, I, I hope people use their common sense in situations like that and it doesn't become a thing. But... McCutcheon steps up to the plate, standing ovation. Then I saw one, I think it was Blue Jays, was it Blue Jays Red Sox? Blue Jays somebody. I know it was a Blue Jays hitter. Um, Waiting for the umpire to get balls because a a ball boy came out, gave him some balls. Umpire went and got the balls, came walking back. The umpire wasn't set. Batter stepped in and looked up, literally looked up at 7.5. Like it was turning from 8 to 7. Umpire goes, he gets the buzz, ha, like calls a strike on him. Guy, you weren't ready. Why does the hitter need to be ready? That stuff, that stuff's not like that, that can't happen. I, right. I'm sorry. I get it. Like the hitter's supposed to be ready. But what if the hitter did look up at nine or 10 and the pitcher was ready and the umpire's still getting balls? What happens then? Like we're just supposed to wait around for you now? That That's not how it works. So, there's there's still obviously going to be things that need to be adjusted and fixed. Um, it's common sense, but for whatever reason right now, you know, MLB has said like the rules are the rules. We're going to institute the rules as they're written period point blank. That's it. And so they're having to, the umpires are having to, and it just looks bad on the field. Hopefully that all gets situated, you know, gets played out before the regular season because that that's like just annoying. Yeah, you, you, you can't have the freaking ball boy on the field at nine seconds to go no. and then expect no. that everyone's going to pitch and, and be ready to hit. He needs to wait. He needs to wait. If, if the umpire didn't have balls, wait. The, uh, the pitcher has one. Wait. Right. If we need a ball, then you can come out and then we can hold off the clock because the, the pitcher clock. hasn't received the ball back yet. Yeah. I, I, this, it just common sense just eludes people sometimes. <laughs> and it's, it's, it's amazing. Um, you would think that these rules would not be difficult to implement. And that's that's all I – outside of that, I, I really don't care about the rule. It, it is what it is, and it's going to be. I, I wish it wasn't the case, but I, I realize that it is in some ways necessary. So that's it, period. Okay. Yeah, I mean, you're right, especially throughout the season. Hopefully they have this cleaned up. I know that there's going to be some instances, hopefully they're few and far in between, where – something causes you know like controversy if you will something along those lines and then it makes 
it kind of defeats the purpose of the pitch clock or, you know, the batter having the clock to go in or they have a pause. Maybe they have to pause things entirely for a certain period of time. So it's definitely going to be interesting to follow. But, yeah, no, great points there. Um, now, the last pitcher that I want to bring up to you guys because he made his first official unofficial uh, Mets debut is Kodai Senka. I don't know if you guys saw exactly how he did, but he had two innings pitch on one a run, which was a solo bomb, not a prom, and he looked really sharp. I mean, he walked the first two batters he faced, and then he then went on to get a pop fly out from Paul Goldschmidt, a um, a fly out then from Arenado, and a nasty strikeout with the ghost fork on the Cardinals' top prospect, who I don't know why I'm blanking on his name right now. You obviously Jordan Walker. Like Jordan Walker has been killing it to start spraying up until that game, really. Um, so raw reactions from Kodai Singh. He's touching 99 on the gun already. He said post-game um, that he had some jitters heading into it, um, and the pitch clock had him on his toes where he wasn't able to appreciate the batters as much as he wanted to because he was obviously really excited to face, you know, the Goldschmidt's, the Arenados of the world, but just, you know, had to be quick with it because of that reason, which went in hand with the lack of command to start. And, but he was pretty much exactly what you'd expect, even in a small sample size. He's always had the electric velo, the, the nasty ghost fork as well to get the strikeouts. But more than anything, he has struggled with his command at times. So he kind of exemplified everything that you can expect from his game in his first outing. So uh, starting off with you, Rec, how did you feel about Kodai and his little Mets debut? Great. I mean, you expect him to have some jitters. He got him out of the way. I expect him to have more at the beginning of the season. Um, but realistically, like, dude made adjustments. He made them fast. And his stuff played. Period. End of story. Um, that's all I need to know. Like, that this guy can make the adjustments. I know he has the stuff. That's not in question at all. That was, I, think, I think that was the most obvious thing, was that this guy's stuff, it's not just going to play. It's really good. Yeah. Like, I, I mean, I feel really good about, I mean, I know we did like a, you know, like a hope or what, what, what do we, what do we call it? like a projection almost of what we think this guy can, you know, do yeah. this year, what we think he will yeah. do. Right. Um, I feel as good as I possibly could about mine, which was like what? Two, seven, two, eight. I said, I think. Wait, yeah. I think I, I said like that three, four. two, seven, two, eight. Yeah. Like, yeah. like I feel really good about that right now. Um, if only because I don't care if he goes out and gives up a few runs, early in the season i know he's going to make the like if he made the adjustments that quickly in a two inning outing i know he's going to make them over the course of a season and i know that hitters are going to have a really tough time um when he's actually in mid-season form and he's locked in and the mets are going to keep him fresh they're not going to let him go out there every fifth day for 32 times on the year that's in part why they're going to do the sixth man this year it's for 100 at times at times right like they're going to they're going to present like a, they're going to insert someone when they can. They mm-hmm. have to have six or seven healthy guys to do it. True. Um, oh, so they shouldn't all trade that said, cookie now? No, they shouldn't trade Cookie. No. Who would have thought Cookie actually is going to be, I'd imagine, a very underrated. What do you mean who would have thought? I think we all knew this when the Mets had like we two all, starting we all pitchers. Know. No, I, I, know I'm, I'm, I know I'm saying for like the endless talks that went on throughout the mm-hmm. offseason because – uh, there were some people that were under the belief that the Mets just wanted, you know, throw cookie to the curb for yeah. like, you know, a bag of baseballs. Yeah. I'm like, that wasn't going to, ha- it was only going to be if it was the right opportunity or if they were even potentially getting a younger controllable arm back that has higher upside. Like it was pretty much going to be a pitcher for a pitcher if it was going to happen. So I'm, I'm glad that I didn't. Cause again, the Mets need this depth as much as ever. And I do think that cookie again is going to 
give you those innings that you need at the end of the day. He doesn't need to be the ace in the rotation. Literally just needs to be the number five, and that's perfectly fine. Um, yeah, and your number five, by the way, won like 15 games last year. So I'll Yeah, take- wasn't that bizarre? Wasn't he the Mets leader in wins last year? Yes. Yeah, I think yeah. so. Yeah. And his ERA was like fourth or fifth on the yep. team. <laughs> Goes to show you just how important wins are. I mean, we know that debate though with Degrom by now. Um, but Joe, um, what's your thoughts on Kodai Senga? Again, electric velo. It's always nice to see. Yeah, it looked great. You know, to me, it's like I think a lot of people were concerned about you know the ball being slightly different over uh, in in Japan than it is here. And so, will a velo touch the same way? Will it, will it be able to dance when that goes forth the same way? The answer was yes, 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 and yes. And uh, you know, Rick, because we were talking about Bartolo before. And that wind in, in, you know, April and October at City Field. <laughs> I mean, I'm just dying to see what the hell it does to that ghost fork. Good it, luck. Oh, my God. Good you get that flushing. That's a great drink, point. By the way. Wow. Why, does, why does City Field not sell a drink called the Flushing Bay Breeze? Because you got well, Flushing you know what's Bay right there. Is the scoreboard and how that plays with the wind. I have a feeling that part of the reason they did that was yeah. to eliminate the breeze coming in from the outfield. I think it, it, it should still, if, if you get it to come in through the hole in right, you know, right field around the stands, it should still mm-hmm. go out to the pitcher from home plate. I, I'm, you know, this is me. Like that to, corner, the way it yeah. whips up there. Yeah. But I like, I don't court. know. I don't know if, I don't know if that giant scoreboard is going to affect the way the wind swirls in that stadium. So it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out throughout the course of the year. Like, City Field could suddenly become like a home run mecca. Like, if if the wind isn't coming in from the outfield anymore, mm-hmm. and now it's just kind of blowing out towards the pitcher, like stuff's still going to be nasty. So it's going to be hard to to square stuff, you know, square things up, which is what makes City Field hard. But the the problem with City Field was that sometimes when you squared stuff up, it didn't go anywhere, and that as a hitter was like deflating and then you did you'd get up there your next day be and swing harder like without trying to you just would like naturally and so that's what made city feel difficult and so now if that's going to be different this ballpark could play very very different like we could see numbers we've never seen before i i really i'm really excited to see how that how that works out you know, I, I mean, it's interesting because we, we talk about it, and obviously the dimensions were different. When City Field was built, it was built for Jose Reyes. Four, 415 to right center, it was triples alley. Uh, and David Wright went from 2008, the last year at Shea, to 2009. He went from like 30 home runs to 10 when the Mets moved into City Field. Well, it was, um, a, it was a nod to Ebbets, wasn't it? Yes. I mean, a lot of it is, especially yes. the exterior, like that whole Jackie Robinson rotunda with the brick and everything is a nod to Ebbets. Yeah. I don't know if the dimensions were. I, I thought I know that, they were. I mean, it wasn't the exact dimensions because I think Ebbets was like 470. It was center, silly. Straight away center was 500 and all those old parts. Was, yeah, it was silly. Or maybe but, it was at Polo Grounds. Is that what I'm thinking of? Polo was 500. Um, but no, City Field is architecturally built as like a tribute to Ebbets. But that okay. right center field gap was 415 for Jose Reyes, who was going to be a free agent like the year after or a couple of years after the Mets moved into City Field. Rays, of course, left, went to Miami, and they were like, F this, bring the fences in. We, you know, we, we don't have anyone else. Angel Pagan's not hitting 17 triples this year, guys. Well, they knew. I mean, you were – D. Wright's – go look at the back of David Wright's baseball card, and then was it 2009? Was that the first year of City Field? Yeah, he had 10 home runs. It, it, it's insane. The dude was like 30, 30, 30, 30, 10. Right. Like, what? Yeah, it's like 3120, 3110, 3120, 1072. If anyone wants to to stat check me on that, I think 10 and 72 in 09 were his uh home run RBI numbers. But the other question I had, Rick, 
is you've talked about it, I think, day games at City Field, that the yeah. visibility is kind of bad. Yeah. So do you think the bigger scoreboard will will help with that and assist the hitters in that respect? No, that was that was that's all about the paint that they had or or something about the backdrop. Like um that batter's eye, that black, like, you know, where the apple is, but it's right. obviously sitting down. Um something to do with that, man. I don't know what it was. I don't think the the new scoreboard is going to help with that. I don't know if the scoreboard is lower at all. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and obviously it's bigger. I don't know if it, I don't know if it's increased in size. The scoreboard, yeah. like haven't changed, like in the sense of where the but ads the video usually board, are. The video um, board itself, right? The video like board bigger. fills up exactly. So is it just wider? Because if it's actually lower at all, like as a catcher, I can tell you playing at certain stadiums like Turner field, um, where they have the scoreboard, like that giant stadium, uh, um, what AT&T, what is it called now? I don't even know what it's called anymore. Oracle? Oracle, thank you. Yeah. Same as um, where Golden State plays, right? They're both Oracle? Is uh, Maybe. Yeah. I don't even yeah. know. Yeah, it I didn't used so. to be, but maybe it is now. Uh, well, no, Golden State moved now. They're not next to them anymore. They're actually in like downtown now or something. Anyway. I think, yeah, I think um, that's Oracle, but I'm sorry, continue. They uh, No, that's right. So anywhere where the scoreboard is in dead center, if it wasn't high enough, like at City Field, it was okay. I never had a problem with it there. But if it wasn't high enough, you'd get like a high fastball, like when you're not ready for it, mm-hmm. that would go into the scoreboard. And you're like, oh, it, it was impossible. Like you were just stabbing at the ball, like hoping you'd catch it. It's awful. Well, that's what um, if you have Angel Hernandez or CB Buckner behind you, you just let them take care of that. Oh, gosh. <laughs> that whole thing with Ali Marmol. Dude, that's insane. Like the, the Cardinals have a legit petition, like on their hands, to tell the MLB like CB Buckner cannot work our games. There's a legit case. It's crazy. There's a few umpires like that on you know that have some issues with a few teams or some guys who have it with the entire league. But you know, I think I've told this story on the show before. I don't know if it was on air or off. I told you guys about the time Jim Joyce told me to go fuck myself, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah, I think you. I think you said that on air too. Yeah. So. The OG listeners should know. Fourth of July against the Rangers years back. <laughs> Happy Fourth, Jim. What'd you say to him? I asked him how Galarraga was doing. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know how bad he felt about that? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, we did discuss this because you, you literally like. Yeah. yeah. I talked like I because I remember seeing him the next spring and he was just he was still upset about it. Like the dude's career ended because he couldn't umpire anymore like he just kept thinking about that got it's sent down to triple a like it's like galarraga's career ended too like that guy had a terrible career he was garbage i know and that was the one thing he could I don't have know how he threw a perfect game like <laughs> like how does the ground I mean, not have one <laughs> i guess i guess honestly like i saw him a, it was a few years after that i saw him that he that he threw against us in triple a like he was awful like the fact that he got to the big leagues was a shock to me. When I, by the time I had faced him, was he a shell of himself? Was he a different guy? Maybe I don't. I don't know. Like I, I, I wouldn't know. I, I didn't face him when he was, you know, throwing a perfect game. Um, but he was like 88, 89 sinker cutter, like garbage right-handed AAA starter. Yeah. Like they they used to call him your average white righty because that's like what you would see in the big like in triple a some some like schmuck who just (laughs) couldn't make it like wasn't good 
and just was still just kind of hanging on to his career, throwing 88 and just trying to manipulate the baseball, but was just awful. And that's what he would look. That's what he was like. I'm not, I'm not trying to crap on him, but it literally, it just wasn't good. And I can't like, I don't know. I'd have to go back and watch the video and see how like good he was because I wasn't watching that game. You know, I just found out about it later, obviously like everybody else, when you could tell the runner was at it first and he was called. (laughs) That was so, I mean, I just remember Miguel Cabrera standing there like, dude, it was like he was out by like two. Don Arga thought he was messing with him. Like he yeah, smiled. He, he laughed. He's like, "Oh, you're messing with me, right, man? Like you're just joking. That's funny." <laughs> I actually, I just watched that highlight again, like a couple months ago, and I, I, I was just standing, I was sitting there in awe, like everyone else was. I'm sure at the time, what a tra- like how? how many perfect games have there been? Twenty three, I think. Maybe. Yeah, it's maybe so. Maybe. It's so few in the history like of the game. When's the last one? Like 2012, Matt Cain. Ooh, I I don't know. Maybe that perfect game. I don't know. It's been a minute. I mean, or was Fernandez? friend of the show Dallas Braden? He threw number twenty-one, I think. Friend of the show. Did did Kim Felix throw a perfect game or just a no hitter? No perfect game. It's either Felix or Matt Kane. I want to say is the most recent. By the way, didn't I don't know if it was a no. I think it was a perfect game. Philip Humber. Speaking of garbage pitchers, Phil Humber, like, I believe that was he was number nineteen. I think if if Mets. I'm I'm pulling these numbers out of somewhere, I don't know where, but like they're coming to me as we're talking about it. Right out of your ass. <laughs> uh, let's take a look. MLB Perfect Games. Uh, and after this, we'll get to our uh, last segment on the WBC because I Humber was nineteen. Thank you. Matt was was number- one? What was was Braden twenty one? No, Braden was 17. So there's been 21. It was before. Ooh, oh, there's been 21. That's why I had that in my head. Okay. Yeah. Right. Uh, Philip Humber was 19. Matt Kane, June 2012. So I got the year right. Mm-hmm. Felix was August 2012. So there okay. hasn't been one since 2012. That's crazy. And there were two that year. Three. Philip Humber was April. <laughs> oh, my goodness. That's one oh, seven. No, I actually remember that. I, I do remember that. It was like, yeah. what's in the water? Because wasn't that the year that... Didn't um when did uh Hol- didn't Holiday throw like a no hitter in the playoffs that year? Was that 2012? Or am I think it was that the year before? I don't know when his playoff no no was. The perfect game Holiday had a perfect game. Yeah, he in did. The regular that was in like 07, though, I thought. That was 2010. Oh my god, him and yeah. Dallas Braden both May 2010. Yeah, yeah, DB was May Mother's DB Day. was was DB Mother's Day, yeah, because it was that was a you big on thing the for him. same day. No, 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 same month. No, no. Oh, I was about same to say, month. I'm like, what but are dude, you? Th- there's that? been 21 in the history of the game. I, you had two on the, two in the same month in 2010, and three in the same season. At this point, you're talking 150 years, basically, right? That's like 1886, right. I think, is technically the first year they consider. Yeah, and five of right. them were in a three season span. That's nuts. 2010, 2012. Okay. All right, gentlemen, let's get into WBC talk so that way we can Dude, be on our perfect games. Way. Like, come on, yeah. T. What do you mean, T? What else is there to say? You are just unbelievable. He's I'm like a, Tyler a, didn't even watch Tyler. There has not been a perfect game since Tyler. <laughs> there isn't even born yet. Okay, he wasn't Dude, even born yet in 2010. There has not been a perfect <laughs> game since Tyler started watching baseball. Consistently, that's true. I did watch in 2012, but I wasn't like a you know. Die hard watching every single day. What happened June 1st, 2012? 
I couldn't tell T. you. I couldn't tell you off the top of my head. T. Even I know that. I, T. I I'm I'm being serious. I'm not good with dates. Rec, what happened June first, twenty twelve? No, I can't. I'm gonna smack him. <laughs> Grant, so, I'm uh, I'm, I'm, I'm twenty four. Grant, for the question in the comments, I was born in ninety eight. Oh, see, I, I'm sorry I didn't know the exact date. I apologize. Dude, okay. you got an there's been I'm one sorry. no hitter. We're on a mess. I get that, but I'm also <laughs> I was also a casual 12-year-old. I apologize. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's crazy. That game. I, so I was at that game, right? And I went alone that night. It was a Friday night. There was like a bar mitzvah going on. I was in eighth grade. And I didn't like the kid who was having the bar mitzvah. I didn't get invited and like a bunch of my buddies were all there. I invited like three kids. I had two tickets to the Met game. Invited like three of my buddies. They were all going to this bar mitzvah. And <laughs> I was like, oh, all right, whatever. I'll go to the game alone. Friday night, Mets Cardinals. I'll go shag some balls and BP. Caught like two or three that night. I was like, watch the game. Friggin' no-hitter happens. They texted me. They're like, oh, this bar mitzvah sucks. I wish I came. <laughs> like, of course the bar mitzvah sucks. Because when you go to Syosset schools, you go to 40 of them and they're all the same. <laughs> Let's make some noise for the bar mitzvah boys. You expect it to be good? Like, is that really like? Right. You got to sit there and have them go through all the frigging candles. And Joe, how old were you when you were at the game? 13, 14? Uh, It was was like three weeks or two weeks before I turned 14. Okay. Yeah. And the, the funny thing, too, is that I remember exactly when it happened. I didn't watch the game live. Well, apparently you don't remember the day, so I I didn't know. But the funny Grant goes, "Oh, I thought you were like thirty-five. Well, my girlfriend does too. Don't tell her, Grant." (laughs) No, but what's funny is that even though I didn't remember the exact date, I do remember when I was twelve on Facebook, finding out about it, and then watching the highlights and freaking out. And then I posted the graphic that the Mets social team came out with for the no hitter right away, and that was like my like instant memory of Nohan. So again, I apologize. I didn't know the date. Trust me, this won't be the last time that you're going to want to slap me, Rex. So, you know, I, my, uh, I don't think I was Baxter. on social media yet at that point. Yeah, 2012. I got on. I actually know. I think I got on that off season when I became a Met. I logged. I I is when I be is when I signed on to Twitter. I think. Okay. 2012. The only social app I was probably using was Kick. Being like, hey, Kick. Yeah. Yep. What was 100 using Jordan? Kick? I don't. I'd never even heard of that. That's, yeah. that's a good thing, Rick. <laughs> it was not good. Never heard of that. Yik yak. That was a, that was a thing in 2012, I think. Yik yak. Oh, like, I could go. I could go back to MySpace, but that's like I don't know what Kick is. I don't have no okay, idea. Okay, boomer. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Yeah, Kick, kick was a Kick was a message. That's actually hilarious because my girlfriend, we kick. first like started talking through Kick when we were kids. Yeah, yeah, that's how it works. You up? Yeah. <laughs> That's what kick was for. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! All right, all right, guys. So I'm Joe gonna... spent a lot of time on there. Is what you're saying? Yeah. Play. I had to play the game somewhere back then. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh, so man. we got four pools for the WBC. I'm gonna ask you guys who you think is gonna win from each pool. What team is gonna come out of it, and ultimately who you think is gonna win it all. That was a really smooth transition, team. Oh, thank you. It's about fucking time. All right. We are live, up. Max, in the comments. We are live talking about kicking Yik Yak. Yes. That's how you know it's a Believe in Queens podcast. Yeah. Right. Yes. Yeah, come on, man. <laughs> Starting off with Pool A. And by the way, it's funny because last night was the first WBC game, Cuba versus Netherlands in Taiwan. Uh, you had Johannes Cespedes back in action, 
wasn't all that effective from what I saw. Um, Netherlands went on to win that game. I think it was 4-2 the final. Um, no less. You got Netherlands, Panama, Italy, um, Chinese Taipei, and <laughs> Cuba, and Pool A. Yo, Grant with the ASL. Oh, my God. That's a throwback. Rex, do you know what that means? I don't. <laughs> oh, my God. You get a girl's username, ASL. That's so funny. Can Rex someone so fill long. me in? Someone want to let me know what's going on? So it's like you start talking to someone in like these chat rooms, right? And then you ask them ASL, age, sex, location, right? So you get their username. You're like, how old are you? Are you a guy or a chick? Because uh, back then you were one or the other. And then uh, where are you? What's, what's your location? Like, where are you from? Because like, if you're from, you know, if you're 15 miles away, uh, you know, my mom's not dropping me off. <laughs> my mom's not dropping me off. So was this on like, was this on like AIM or something? Like, what? Do, I don't know what. It I was mean, like I after. Know. So like, I was using AIM when I was in fifth grade. So I was like 10. I don't this even know what that like, is. Wow. Yeah. 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 Wow. That's wow. <laughs> Listen to this guy. I was on that in college. Yeah. Good. For you, <laughs> yeah. I was in fifth grade. Like I remember like moving when I moved to Syosset in fifth grade, like that was people were like, Oh, what's your aim? And I was like, huh? They were like, aim messenger. I was like, Oh yeah. Just give me yours and I'll add you. Cause I didn't have one. <laughs> <laughs> I'll never forget the first time I messaged a girl. And, oh, I had like my stepbrother in the other room and I'm asking him like every abbreviation. I'm like, Vinny, what does this mean? Like, I'd be like, what's up? She'd be like, NMJCU. I'd be like, All I... Vin, what the hell does NMJCU mean? He'd be like, nothing much, just chilling. You? <laughs> All it's... I remember is the profiles. And I had like the, I was like a punk kid. So I had like the emo profile. <laughs> I was like that too growing up. That's fucking hilarious my, oh, my username man. was like literally like hate the yanks 619 my username is still my junk email so when you see my email and i think you guys have it because when we first met i didn't know who you were and i gave you my junk email um <laughs> that's that was my aim username back in the day like oh, i just made some stuff up and threw it out there and i was like yeah that's works all right so a bunch of letters and numbers you guys are going to get kicked out of this. My username for like everything when I was a kid in middle school, this was my nickname because of the candy bars was fun size. So everyone would call me fun size tie. So that was my, my name for literally everything. Dude, that is perfect for you. And only perfect. his girlfriend calls him that. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Can we talk real baseball classic for like five minutes? <laughs> Motherfucker. Oh my god. Man down like Justin Turner over here. Take it easy on my boy JT, okay? That's my boy. Sorry, right? the redhead the redheads always catch the strays. That dude needs to no, hey, hey, come on. <laughs> You're holding back. Sorry, yo. It just oh how like quick you're with it, Joe. Like it, it's second nature. It's fucking hilarious. Okay, roll baseball classic. Pull A, damn it! All right, pick a team, please. Out of the five, give us Cuba, the Chinese Taipei, Italy, Panama, or Netherlands. Netherlands, but I, I want to say Italy because Vinny Pasquantino's cool as shit. I was hanging out with him at the Super Bowl. 
but Italy's going to surprise some people. Italy's going to surprise some people, but Netherlands is the team to beat. Okay. Their infield is so good the Netherlands. Mm-hmm. So, so I'm going to Although go no Ozzy Albies, right? Albies is No, but player, Jonathan isn't? Scope's playing second. He could pop a few out against the pitching he's going to face. Come on, that pool, it's a weak pool. Would you take Oh, well, it's a very weak pool. But would you take Scope or Albies? I mean, come on. Uh, no, 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 Brainer Albies. I, I just mean compared to who they're playing like their line yes. is better than everyone else. Bogarts gonna, is playing I'm short. Go. So there you I go. think they should flip flop Bogarts and Simmons, by the way. Like, Simmons is a better shortstop to me. He sure. is. I mean, actually, no, last year Xander was elite defensively at short. He's been weird. He's been fanky. Like, throughout his career, not a lot of great seasons, but last year I know he was like 90th plus percentile and outs above average. So, lately, Simmons, I was like platinum glove in the past. Like, yes. That's, that's the only reason he's a job. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. All defense. So for me, I'm going to, you know, go with, I, I got to go with the guy on the wall behind me. I know they're probably not going to win it, but I'm just going to go with Team Italy, Team Italy for the culture. So let's go to Pool B. This is Australia, China, Czech Republic, Japan, Korea. Uh, I mean, come on. <laughs> I feel bad. I feel bad. <laughs> like Korea actually has some <laughs> solid players, but I mean, come on. This Japan's going to win the whole thing. Ooh. Oh, did, did you guys Japan see, is uh... incredibly, incredibly deep. They have a fantastic rotation. Yeah. Their lineup is stacked. They are going to win this whole thing. They have I the best young you, third base. This is the best in, like, all the sport right now, too. Aside from, you know, some some guys of the MLB like um, what what's his is. And Lars Newtbar is on the team, isn't he? Lars Newtbar right. is on the team. That is did correct. Did you guys see the video of Czech Republic? where they were asking the players that went viral on social media, like what their actual job is. Yes. And it was like carpenter, mechanic, <laughs> yeah. teacher, like financial analyst. Yeah. But I mean, like everyone in that team is like, like one guy was like literally a financial analyst. Guys, Eric Sogard is the only one with any like professional baseball experience. Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, can long never, time big can never forget those glasses. All right. Pool C. Wait, did Sogard, was that? Was that the guy who went to the finals for face yes. of MLB against David Wright? Yep. <laughs> I can't believe that that joke actually like went that far that people voted for him. Like that's crazy. Hilarious. Oakland fans were all in on that one. But there's like five all of in. them. Like ha- <laughs> it, it had to be a nationwide thing, including Wreck. <laughs> At that time, uh, I'll, I'll look. I'll, I'll I'm going to defend my A's fans because I was an A's fan, right. and one of five exactly. When when they're good. That place, I mean, look, it doesn't sell out all year, but that place gets going. Like the, they're as far as passionate fans go, they're up here. Like oh, right. they're not like when they're good, which every, they have every right to do what they do, not show up when they're terrible and show up when they're good. Most places, I wouldn't say that they have every right to do it because that or that's the way the organization works. The owner doesn't spend money, but when they show up. They're awesome. That's the awesome. stadium two people were like boinking in the upper deck last year, right? Correct. Yes. And, that then, yeah. and then there was... Then I thought there it was, was Minnesota. Guy. No. And then no, there was... Okay. Then there was some no, Minnesota had in Toronto. Shrinkage? It's so cold there, man. How, how could you even... Middle of the summer. Come on. <laughs> when there's a will, there's a way. You should know this, Joe. All right. But yeah, then you had in Toronto, that same exact thing happened. Um, and that was that went viral over social media too, which was hilarious. But all right, two more pools: Pool C, Canada, Colombia, Great Britain, Mexico, USA, 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 USA. USA. Close. Pool D is the only interesting one out of all yep. these. 
seriously, Dominican Republic, Israel, Nicaragua, Puerto Rico, Venezuela. This one, I'm obviously going to say DR because they're the deepest. However, Venezuela and PR have respectable enough rosters where it wouldn't shock me if either of those two came out as like a, a slight upset, if you would, at a pool D. But I'm obviously going to go with, you know, without question, the best roster, which is DR. What about you guys? Well, I mean, Breck, you said Japan's your pick to win it. DR is my pick to win it. Uh, I think no they're the best team. Unless Gary Sanchez doesn't catch. Ooh, all right. Going the, the, the defensive catcher. Going with that for the reason that the DR doesn't win the World Baseball Classic. It's not just defensive. Like, he's not a good game caller. He's not a good – he doesn't block the ball. He the only thing he does is he has a really strong arm. He doesn't even get rid of the ball fast. Not, and he's not that accurate with it all the time. It's just nope. like it, it, the ball gets there like that. So um, – but I, I think yeah. DR, I mean, come on, you got Juan Soto, you got Julio out there. I think the DR. They don't the even have Tatis. And they have better pitching than the U.S. Yep, they do. That's I, I hate our pitching. They do. Um, I don't hate our pitching. Our starting pitching isn't what it could be. Starting. Our um, the arm pen ball. is very good. The pen the is unbelievably the thing. The thing that's going to be okay is that the U.S. doesn't – no one's going to go seven innings, right? Like, on at least not on the – you know, as, as far as the big league guys. Like, there might be some guys from Italy that go seven innings, you know, or somewhere somewhere there's, that where guys have, like, each round, been building up. How yeah. far they can I'm just I'm just saying, like, like there's there's going to be guys who go longer. I'm just saying, like, team, team USA, it's nine batters, nine batters, and then go to the bullpen, right? Like, it's, it's get through the lineup once, get through the lineup once, and then go to the bullpen – and that is going to save them because nobody's going to get to the point where they've been seen twice and mm-hmm. nobody is going to want to face that bullpen. Their worst pitcher might be David Bednar out of the pen. Like, <laughs> good luck. Like, yeah. that dude's filthy. You might think Adovino's our worst pitcher out of the pen. I forgot he was on the team. Yeah, he is. <laughs> but anyway. <laughs> yeah, I mean, no, te- Team U.S., I think – I think Japan to me, it's like Japan and Puerto Rico for that third place game. USDR are the best two, uh, in, in my opinion. By the way, I just have to address but the US this. and DR are going to play before you get to the finals. C and D play each other in the quarters. It doesn't get reseeded like the top. And then you go to the semi. Oh well, I guess. Because then remember Japan would just have work. such an easy path, and you'd have Puerto Rico DR US like slugging. Yeah, out. I don't remember how the semis work. So, well, semi, so, so semis. A and B go to one pool, C and D go to another pool, and then the top two out of each of those go to the semifinals. But I don't remember how those get broken down. So you might be right. You might be, then then they might flip and they might play. So that could happen. Yeah, you're right. I would hope only because then Japan's just got such an like they can just pitch their number three. They already do. Like you can write you could just write Japan into the semifinal without yeah. even thinking about it. That's but that's why they're my champ. Like they're already there. They're already in the semifinals. Right. And then they can basically set the rotation up however they want. Yeah. And they're going to be like, to me, that's the team, man. That that team is phenomenal. By the way, from a marketing perspective, by the way, the one issue, and, and I mean, look, it's a World Baseball Classic. It'll be fun. I'm not too invested. I have a major issue with Cuba being playing in Asia when, I mean, couldn't you have just put Cuba? Like you could have put Israel or Nicaragua or someone else in yeah, one like- of the... Can you imagine how electric it would be to Cuba and Miami? Miami? Like, it's freaking little pop- Havana. They're I mean, popping. are you kidding me? You they're just popping enough when you have Puerto Rico, Venezuela, etc. There, uh, the 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 roof would be blown off that the place. Stadium is literally in Little Havana. Yesterday, there sense. was there was literally no one at the game to the point oh. where you could clearly hear this one fan like 
hitting a cowbell or doing something after like every Car horn. Si- yeah thank yeah. you after like every single pitch cowbell. like there was no one there at all and i was like Come christopher walking thinking you need a little cowbell at the baseball game <laughs> there you go Never i don't know. think Wardy got that reference rec cowbell he probably yeah. isn't yeah he's not old enough for that one no uh, i know the i know the cowbell reference but you know what i first think of when i think cowbell it's not even walking i think of will ferrell on snl oh well that, that's the skit yeah that's, no i oh okay that's yeah. the same skit yeah. no no i was on snl telling yeah, will okay. ferrell we need more cowbell oh okay there we go then perfect i thought you were gonna <laughs> say cowbell man shout out to eddie we'll see him at city field in a month hey yo. all right so i'm for me while dr feels like they're gonna win i'm gonna just go full american team usa that's my pick so rec japan joe we got ourselves a dr i'll go with usa we should do like a little wager with this too i don't know what kind of wager but we should do Bordy has become a betting uh, all right since let's let the, let's let the people in the comments give, people are give asking us our for picks now joe it's getting there <laughs> wardy you've become a betting fiend since we met. i, I just so texted sorry. my barber picks tonight because he he saw I was showing him what I want for my cut and he's like oh you bet on Fanduel because he saw my camera roll and we had an hour long conversation on our betting picks. Whoa, did, did West Virginia hit on a show sponsored by Bet Online? Did you just say the F word? No, I said Bet Online. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Speaking of uh, bets, how's uh, how's West Virginia doing? Let's check it out. Oh baby, sixteen point win. Had a minus three and a half. My kids Boom. can go to college. Wish I'd have gotten in on that. Oh, man, if they lost that, I would have had to get a vasectomy. No way I could afford having kids. <laughs> One last thing I want to uh, show you guys and people that are watching the live show today, you can see it if you're audio. Unfortunately, you can't. Well, the other day, my grandfather was really nice. And initially, he got himself a really cool watch. He loves Invictus. He loves, like, the submarine watches, especially, like, at least five pounds on his wrist. He doesn't wear it. That's how he goes. And he got himself a Yankees watch purposely to mess with me. The guy is not a sports geek at all. He can't name you one player on the Yanks, but he purposely got it to just razz me. So I'm like, okay. And then two days ago, he called me over it, and I'm like, okay, he shows me. And he got me still the same watch, but for the Mets. So when I really like it, because on the side, there's like a chain to get, give you like the baseball threading, which is really cool. But this thing like feels like a workout. I took like three or four links out just to fit my wrist properly. And I still feel like it's, it's freaking my that left arm is already getting stronger than the right. What's that? That fun size wrist. Fun size wrist. <laughs> I, my wrist used to be a lot thicker when I was um, more active, especially on my fitness team in high school. But lost no. some girth. A lot for sure. Lost some girth. Absolutely. It is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Oregon State plus eleven tonight, guys. That's that's the last thing I can leave you with. Oregon State <laughs> plus eleven. Alrighty. All right. Well, this was an episode. Episode fifty. Episode 50 of Believe in Queens. Yep. Make sure to check out Joe at the Sorrell Sports Podcast. Make sure to check out Rec on MLB Network. And me, just make sure to check me out here on YouTube per usual. And also anyone that's going to be in Port St. Lucie uh, from March 10th to the 14th, look out for your short schmucked boy. I will be there at pretty much every Mets spring game. The only game I might not be going to, someone asked me in the chat, is when they face Tampa because that'll be in Tampa, I'm pretty sure. And that's a little too steep of a drive. Uh, for what I have in store. And I'll also be going WBC Sunday night game, Venezuela versus Puerto Rico. Might even go to a Puerto Rican game the day before. I want to say <laughs> against Nicaragua, but I'm not certain. Don't know for sure yet, but there's going to be fun content coming out of that. So stay tuned for that, guys. And yeah, thanks for your endless support. And as always, let's go Mets. All right, talk to you guys next week.
I want to hear a fun size on the air from one of you when you see Wardy there. Okay. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.